Welcome to another episode of the CC Podcast Conversations, where inspiring Christians share their faith-filled stories. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. This helps push our content to a broader audience. Are you new to listening? Check out our other podcasts. First, the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions, where we're walking through the Bible, focusing on short clips of Scripture. Second is the CC Broadcast, where our weekly radio programming is archived. These podcasts are available wherever you're listening or at christiancrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders. Hey everybody, Matt Reister here with the CC Podcast Conversations, and I'm with Andrew today. Andrew, you doing well? Yep, doing real well, Matt. We are uh, cranking out some more of our NRB interviews, and today you're going to hear an interview with Michael Johnson, who is the president of the Slavic Gospel Association. And that's an organization I hadn't heard of until they came up to our table. Michael and the Slavic Gospel Association, which today does work for the sake of the gospel in places like Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, Georgia, Kazakhstan, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. that part of the world. Yep. Uh, they brought a pastor over named Igor. I don't even know what his last name was. But unlike our other interview with Alex, who was a Ukrainian chaplain, and Anya, his translator, Igor, this Ukrainian pastor, could speak English. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties at the beginning of this and lost the first portion of it. Most of what we lost, unfortunately, Michael, was... Mr. Johnson telling us about the Slavic Gospel Association, the work that they've done. And so we're obviously going to link their website in the show notes and point you to it if you want to learn more. It's sga.org. That's Slavic Gospel Association, sga.org. So go check that out. But when the interview picks up here, which is kind of right in the middle of it, I'm just turning the corner to ask Igor some questions and get him involved. And so providentially, it came at a decent time, time notwithstanding... Um, Michael getting cut out of the first part of it. But what were some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing that I took from it was um, just how, uh, you know, there's been such politicization, such involvement with politics uh, (laughs) and with regard to, to, you know, the the Russian invasion of Ukraine. and, And, you know, you made mention of the fact that, that, you know, you weren't sure because of, of, you know, how certain politicians or how certain celebrities or whoever else were coming out. So, uh, you know, reacting so strongly to, to some of these things, um, that that sort of made you take a step back and, and wonder kind of what, what was going on. Um, and I think that, that Pastor Igor was, was pretty eloquent about the fact that, um, you know, regardless of the politics involved and all of that, um, you know, there's still, when you cut through it all, it still is, um, you know, a, a people who are suffering and, and then making sure that they are hearing the gospel. And, um, and I just, I, I thought that that was, that's a great reminder. And it's a great reminder for a lot of things in life, not just Russia, Ukraine conflict. It's, it's, uh, you know, great reminder in life if, if you are uh, having a fight with your own neighbor. You know, it's it's um, the 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 core most important thing is 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 the word of God being spread. 
Amen. And Michael Johnson mentioned that a little bit. Slavic Gospel Association is still doing ministry in Russia. Yep. Where their enemies are. Yep. But to the people who are also victims of this thing, they didn't ask Putin to do this. Right. Um, yep. The other thing that I was really impressed with these guys, as well as Alex and Anya, the other Ukrainian interview we did, these guys are solid. I mean, biblically yeah. gospel solid. Yep. Uh, and, and I'm always, I, I've learned to be skeptical here when I run into ministry people around the U.S. about, like, do you actually believe the Bible? Do you sure. actually believe the gospel? And uh, it comes through loud and clear from these guys. Yeah. And both of these guys, too, The it, it's not like I, I thought, oh, anybody that is religious in that part of the world must come from, like, an Eastern Orthodox kind of a background. But I, I kind of had that in my head, to be honest. That, yeah. That... You know, oh, if you're, you know, but, and neither of these guys were, and, and, and then not that you can't be solid and Eastern Orthodox. It, that's, it's not like. Totally. Uh, but, but at the same time, it's, it's interesting to, that these two guys happen to be uh, at NRB and, and it just, yeah, both of them, like you said, shared a really, really solid personal faith story and um, great to hear what they're doing. No question Ukraine was on the front of people's minds. Yeah. As NRB was being put together. Very much. And these organizations that brought those guys over. Yeah. Good. Enjoy the interview with Pastor Igor and Michael Johnson. Thanks to those guys for stopping by our booth and giving us the time. Now back to my first question, Pastor Igor. Who are the Slavic people? So Ukrainians, Polish people, Czech, Slovaks. Uh, and Belarusians and Russians. Where does that come from? It's from Slavic roots. I Kiev is an old city, more than 1,000 years old. So, as Ukrainians, we believe everything started there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good. So, uh, tell me about the ministry that you're doing. You're just here, like you said, for a week. You're going back. What's it going to be like when you go back? Describe what it's like. What are you headed back into? What did you come here from? Today is uh, 454th day of the war. So basically this is our life for the last almost one year and a half. Everyday reality. When you go to bed and you never know if you get up in the morning because very often we have drones and missiles attack. And uh, I live in Kyiv, and Kyiv is always very attractive for our enemies to destroy the centers of uh, uh, making decisions. And uh, every day uh, people live in uncertainty. But despite of that, Ukrainians are quite brave people. I've seen that and, just by watching. Yeah, and people, people just stay strong despite all the terrible sins. And people are fighting. The other people are working to keep economy running and everybody is trying to do something to make our victory possible and possible as soon as possible. Yeah. <laughs> and as Christians, of course, we, we have our also spiritual front yes. where we are fighting, uh, praying with, uh, to God and uh, trying to serve people. Uh, in different ways, humanitarian ways that Michael was mentioning is just one of them. There are much more serious questions that just people needed 
bread or hot meal or uh, they, they, they need they need fellowship they need people just really to to feel secured they need people they can share their pains with and they need somebody who can show them bigger perspective who can answer them the question where is God what future holds for us do we still have future what would be with our country what would, would be with, with my family because you know like uh, generally speaking when the war started on february 21st 2022 the war that was coming to us but we hoped it would not start it but it did 14 millions of ukrainians uh, left their houses and spread all around uh, ukraine and almost 8 millions main, mainly women and children left abroad and spread it all around the european union countries so we have families divided we have families lost everything. Uh, we have uh, people without work, without, you know, it's like not only that people lost their property, it's this feeling like Russians came and they destroyed your life. And there is this emptiness and there is this questions, okay, what should we do with our life? So people are willing to fight. People are thinking about victory, but at the same time, they have these deep, deep questions. Why? our neighbors came to destroy us because we, we, we all understand and realize that this is not just a local conflict for us this is existential threat because they came to destroy us as a nation in fact we are talking about the attempt to genocide Ukrainian people and so we, we, we have questions and our neighbors are also Christians mm. you know so what, what, what is going on and you know uh, with all this personal individual sufferings and questions and also all this experience we have together as ukrainians we need we need answers we need reasons for hope you know and this is where the church uh, our role as a church is very important because from one side we are like the rest of the people we are suffering every day but from the other side we should be strong enough uh, to to stay strong in faith uh, to have in, to get enough grace from God to to survive, to have motivation to get up every morning and move forward. But at the same time, we, we need much more of grace to to minister to people. Yeah, and you know, and this is where we uh, we are working. I am a vice president of Ukrainian Baptist Union. We have 2,300 churches, and we try to coordinate to motivate our churches uh, to speak uh, about Ukraine Ukrainian churches our experience to uh, to accommodate resources and to share everything through our churches with people in need so we would like to stay uh, sold and light mm. even in this most difficult period in our national history mm -hmm. Are you the pastor of a specific congregation, or do you just work for the Baptist Union? My main ministry is in the Baptist Union. I used to be a senior pastor of uh, the church in Odessa, but now I am also on a pastoral team of our local church in Irpin. In where? Irpin. Okay. Irpin is a suburb of Kiev, yeah. and Irpin was a lot on the news because that was a, probably one of the first cities that Russia took. Uh, on the way uh, to to Kiev, and that was uh, alongside with Bucha and Hostomel. That was the city 
where Russian soldiers made uh, war criminal acts and killed more than 1,000 civilians, innocent people. So tell me how you came to be a Baptist pastor in the Ukraine. Were you raised in the Christian faith? Uh, in, in my family, uh, my grandfather uh, was the first uh, converted believers. Uh, and, uh, how did that happen? It was, it was just the time in between of the First World War and Second World War, uh, and uh, evangelists came to, to Ukraine preaching the gospel. Wow. And he was in his village, he was the only one who could uh, read and write. So wow. people, people used to come to him if they needed to, to send a letter to their relatives or maybe to read a letter uh, when they got one. So he was uh, educated. And when he uh, was given uh, the gospel and started to read it, he was converted. Wow. And later on, my grandmother was uh, converted. And uh, this is how uh, our family became a uh, Christian family. I want to interject right there. We have another podcast that we call the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions. And I do a Bible overview, a six-minute devotion each day. We've got something like 800 episodes from Genesis 1. We're in the middle of John right now. And one of the things we talk about all the time is God's redemptive plan for the world was always never just for the Israelites. It was always never just for the sons and daughters of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And it was for representatives from every tribe and tongue and nation. And I'm a Gentile. I don't have any Jewish blood in me. Many of the Slavic people are Gentiles. And just hearing the story about your grandfather's conversion between the First World War and the Second World War by evangelists who came to the Ukraine, um, it's just powerful. It's just a real-life example of every tribe, tongue, and nation. Right. Isn't that right. awesome? Yes. And you're a product of that. Yes, I'm... So, so explain how it got down to you. Then my father, uh, my father was a preacher, and when I was born, uh, and... Uh, parents brought me to church every Sunday, it was probably the most unpleasant <laughs> experience in my life. Yeah. You know, because the church was at the outskirts of the city. It was a very small building with hundreds of people packed, no fresh air. And as a little boy, I just fall in sleep maybe in five minutes. So yeah. I was just struggling with, <laughs> yeah. with my desired to sleep so I, I didn't understand what was going on and the only preacher that I liked uh, was a very emotional preacher I uh, I didn't understand and I don't remember what he preached but I remember his face he was he was passionate about preaching so he was the only one I liked to listen to yeah you know but but then I remember the time when it still was forbidden to, to bring uh, children and teach them the Bible so it was like it was done in a secret way. What do you mean forbidden? Are you, you, uh, parents, parents could bring uh, children to the church, but everything was limited. And uh, there was not Sunday school. There was not organized uh, training for, to study Bible for children. At this time, this is the Soviet Union? Yes, it was Soviet Union. And that's why it was restricted? Yes, it, it was restricted. I remember every time we met, 
we knew that if if police would come, we should pretend that we have a birthday party. So every week we have, we have a birthday, birthday party. Birthday hats. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So wow. and uh, so every time we left, we knew that we we cannot couldn't speak uh, about the place where we meet, and uh, when our meetings uh, in private houses was ended usually we left maybe two three people then the rest were waiting maybe five seven minutes ten minutes and then uh, another group left just not to attract attention of our neighbors yeah so but in that wow. in that groups our courageous leaders who really uh, took a risk to to organize us i remember that uh, evening that our leader came and he said okay i would like to talk uh, about biblical concept of being born again wow and i remember we were sitting about 30 teenagers i was 14 years old in that time and he just asked a simple question he said i would like every one of you just say if you are born again or not born he, he didn't explain what it was you know but he said just okay just let me know so then, like everybody just said, no, no, I'm not. And <laughs> some some clever guys in Monase said, you know, I, I think I'm close. I'm on the way. <laughs> <laughs> you had no idea what it meant. <laughs> so, so and, and only and only white guy. He was my friend. He said, I believe I was born again. So when he uh, the uh, the leader started to explain us uh, the meaning of repentance, wow. faith and how it can happen with you and that God is uh, waiting for us and it, 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 it is important that we are we were raised in Christian families but we should have personal relationship with God Amen. and I remember uh, you know I knew that I need this experience but in, somehow I was afraid if I, because I didn't understand what, what would happen if God would come to my life to my heart yeah I was afraid yeah and you know what I what I did I stopped to pray <laughs> because I was afraid that one time when I will be praying God would touch my heart and I didn't know what would happen yeah so uh, but my conscience was speaking okay you you go to bed and you didn't pray again and one night I was I just couldn't sleep and I just felt uh, this conviction from the Holy Spirit that this is I, I need to to come to God and I just uh, get out from my bed all my family members were sleeping and I was there and I had such a feeling of uh, my guilt before God you know yeah I, I, I just I just stop stop asking I, I just repeated one word forgive me Lord forgive wow. me I was crying I just I don't remember I was lost in time but I could I just repeat that word forgive me it was the sense that if there is only one sinner in the world, it was me. Wow. And then something changed. It was a dramatical change. It was like a flood of God's love poured down into my heart. And I just couldn't... I, I just... <laughs> I, I, I again repeated one word. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Thank you, Lord. And I had this desire just to jump out of our apartment and go to the streets and say, I'm... I'm saved. I'm, I'm born again. I'm born again, so I know this for sure. But it was about 1 a.m. <laughs> so yeah. everybody was sleeping and no one cared that this miracle happened how, to myself. How old were you? I was almost 15. Okay. Yeah, so from that time I knew I was born again and that really changed my life. Uh, one of the uh, things that God did for me, 
he put a special love to the word of God. Oh, I was reading the, the Bible all, all the time. I, I knew Lord. probably half of the Bible in memory, and um, I, I, I started to preach. You know, that that was real my my passion. This is how I became uh, Christian. Can I? I want to say something to our audience. Um, America is full of lazy Christians who claim the name of Jesus, who, but who I'm not sure they actually are born again. And one of the reasons it's been so dumbed down and lazy is because it's so easy. I think of the dis- you have to have a fake birthday party ready to go in case the police show up. Like the people who were coming to your church were serious about it. And the, there was a little bit of a risk involved. I mean, like their lives were at stake. Their livelihood was at stake. Whatever would happen if they got caught. And in America, we've never, I mean, at least not for hundreds of years. I think that day might be coming in America when it's going to be hard to be a Christian, where it's going to be unsafe to gather as Christians because of whatever, whoever might do to us. But it would be interesting to take the spiritual impact over the generations of your church that had to fight to gather, that had to fight to proclaim the Word of God, had to do it with a risk versus another church that's a similar size in the middle of America that's just easy, there's no cost, there's no threat, there's no risk. And this over here produces lazy Christians that end up being ineffective in large part. Now, I might be being too difficult or too hard on Americans because I know we have solid believers here, obviously. But I just I couldn't help but point that out because your story is a different story than mine. I never had to have a fake birthday party, you know, kind of in the corner that we were going to pull out if the cop showed up. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I, I cannot judge on the situation here. Uh, because we, we, we all have our own experience. And I know that uh, the gospel is powerful to convert any person. doesn't matter if you are during the wartime or Soviet Union atheistic restrictions or uh, free, prosperous uh, United States. Yes. You know? God, God, is, God is saving people. And humanly speaking, I would like all everybody lives like you live in your, your country to yeah. be to be free. You know, yeah. there is nothing good in suffering. There is nothing good in the restrictions. You know, uh, and I, I remember when after I was converted, uh, we we basically decided to pray about revival in our country, and we uh, stop everything at 10 p.m. and doesn't matter where we were, we prayed for revival. If you would ask us what is revival, we would respond. <laughs> if we, if you would ask us in that time if we believed it would happen, probably not because the Soviet Union was so strong. Yeah. But we did this. We we prayed every night about revival because we wanted to see changes in our countries. We we wanted to see how uh, church uh, get freedom to to preach the gospel. You know so. And when the freedom came, that was a real gift. Yeah. But with freedom came many difficulties to Ukraine. And this war we are going through, this is a part of still, we are still saying goodbye to the Soviet Union. Because yeah. Russia would like to rebuild the empire, to rebuild the new version of the Soviet Union empire. And they know that without Ukraine it's impossible. So they, they just would like to invade us. And we don't want to go back. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... 
what what would you like from our audience? Uh, why are you here? Why did you come from the Ukraine for this week? Um, what is the message that you want to convey uh, besides what you already said? Um, well, uh, you, you, you said at the very beginning, there's a lot going on in Ukraine. We've got a lot of work to do. You're in the middle of a war. But something must be important enough for you to come here for a week and leave that important work. What yeah. is that? Yeah, first of all, I believe that uh, people should know what is going on in Ukraine. And I believe it is not enough to get information from the media and news, because these news are very often uh, political and with political interests. Uh, my desire is to use any opportunity to speak about what God is doing through his churches in Ukraine during the war. And I also would like to say thank you to, uh, to all our friends, especially American friends, millions of Christians who have been faithfully praying for Ukraine. Because for us that was very important. You know, when the war started, no one believed that Ukraine would stand more than three or four days. Yeah. And I remember that feeling that when, when we started to work, we pray, we didn't, we didn't have uh, uh, power enough even to preach. We just read the Bible, but we were looking for this confidence from the Holy Spirit. Mm. What would happen to us? You know, and we knew that the Bible and the Holy Spirit make us strong. And to the end of the first week, in our hearts, we knew that Ukraine would survive. Wow. We didn't know how, when. We definitely knew that it would be a long way, bloody way. But we knew that one day Ukraine will celebrate victory. Wow. God would not forsake us. And I, I remember that first days of the war, we got messages, we got calls from all our friends. Many were from the United States and people said, we are praying, we are praying. And I know that God used prayers of million Christians in this country to really to, to help us as Christians. And uh, it was a means that God used to protect Ukraine. So I'm here to say, thank you mm. and i am here to say that the war is going on there is still a lot to do and we need these prayers a lot and we need people to stay with ukraine to remember that what is going on in ukraine it's not only about ukraine it's not just a local conflict that politicians didn't find a solution and they started the war no it's aggressive war it's basically existential threat to our nation it's like the battle between evil and good it is a battle for what is just, what is right. So when American Christians are standing with Ukraine, just don't feel tired. Just stand with us to, to the end. And when I say to the end, I mean the day of our victory, of course. But because it is, it is not only about us. It is about the values as Christians uh, we, uh, we value, you know. It is what God is standing for, for righteousness, for, for justice. For, uh, for God's principles between nations and, and for people. So please, please continue to pray. If you, if you know uh, the way how to, how to help, please send your money, uh, send your support. Because uh, as churches, we use everything we get to minister to people. Like Slavic Gospel Association, Michael, who invited me. It's just a great story for this wartime how he and mission was instrumental uh, to 
coordinate people who wanted to help. And so the need is still there, the war is still there. So I just would like to encourage American Christians to stay with Ukraine. Because as I said, it's not only about Ukraine. It's not about our life. It's about something much, much bigger. Michael, just quickly, I got a couple things I want to talk to you about, but just quickly, how can people get in touch with the Slavic Gospel Association if they wanted to support what Igor is talking about through you? Yeah, they can just come to our website. It's Slavic Gospel Association, SGA.org. That's SGA.org. So one thing from an American perspective, and I don't, I don't know anything about your background, your politics, any of that. I know that we're brothers in Christ. I can tell you have a high value of God's word. Um, when this whole war broke out, I, I'll just say I'm, I'm pretty politically informed. Mm-hmm. I've been very politically active in the past. Iowa, first in the nation caucus state, involved in presidential politics, ran for the legislature a couple times myself. Um, when this all broke out, and, and my, my, my life and my ministry has taken me kind of a different way, but I'm still mm-hmm. interested in all this stuff. I still pay attention. I still have strong opinions. When this all broke out, my first response was to just kind of go, I don't know that I'm going to weigh in on this one, and here's why. Because as soon as the Russian invasion happened on social media, all the people who I tend not to agree with in every other sphere of politics was putting the Ukrainian flag in their profile picture. Support Ukraine, this and that. And it wasn't everything I was hearing, and every and I'm smart enough, I think, to filter through things. Everything I was hearing made it seem clear that this was an unprovoked invasion, that Russia was the aggressor, that Ukraine was the victim, but there was something about how all of a sudden mainstream media in America, which I've come to despise, and social media and the whole woke crowd, they all jumped on board. And it wasn't just support Ukraine, but it was like everything Ukraine all the time. And so there was a little bit of a catch in me that was like, huh, I don't know what to think about this. Because it seems like these guys are getting screwed over, but why are all these other people who I don't agree with on almost anything doing this? Where did I get that wrong, or how would you respond? I I think there are a lot of evangelical Americans who are in my boat and who are slowly evolving in their view of what's going on as they've watched this develop. And frankly, I would say it, uh, my view has evolved even as recently as my conversation with, with that chaplain, Alex, and Anya yesterday, yeah. and, and this today. So talk to me, American to American. on, on Well, you know, my background, I have kind of a unique background in the sense that um, I grew up in Connecticut and moved to, went to California with some buddies of mine when I was 19 years old, and some biker led me to the Lord. And um, this was in the latter part of the Jesus movement. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Did you I see lo- the film? I love that movie. I, I cried during that movie because that was my experience. Cool. So uh, uh, I spent a couple years in Bible school and eventually ended up uh, getting married. And I was an advertising executive in New York City for many years. Okay. And so I worked with some of the largest consumer brands in the world and uh, very much as a strategist. Okay. 
So um, I took a short, we were living in Brooklyn in our church, and uh, we took a short-term missions trip to the country of Albania. And God began to open my eyes to what he was doing in the post-communist world. And then a few years later, um, the president of the, the then president of this ministry called me up in the late 90s and asked if I would consider leaving the advertising business and coming to work for him because, quote, we have a great story to tell about what God is doing through his faithful churches in the former Soviet Union, and we need a professional like you to tell that story. Wow. So I, I thought, you know, that was a pretty good pitch. So uh, anyway... <laughs> So the Lord led us to the ministry. We moved to Rockford, Illinois, and I was there for about seven or eight years and then left and then consulted with ministries, helping them with their fundraising and strategies and and programs. So they called me back six years ago as the president. And so, you know, I like to think of things strategically uh, in terms of how to optimize the work that we're doing on the ministry side as well as on the fundraising side. And so uh, we have a wonderful ministry, uh, and because we don't have national, we don't have missionaries that we send over there, you know, the work is done by the churches, uh, and if we can provide, uh, help them with programs and provide resources, they can get a lot more done as they work in their, in their cities, towns, and villages. Um, but so when COVID hit, I was thinking about that because... You know, a lot of ministries were struggling and churches were struggling, and I was trying to figure out a way to see how God would lead us to use COVID as a tool to advance the gospel in the former Soviet Union. So we created a program called Christ Over COVID, Much Prayer, Much Power, because that was the name of the book that our founder wrote. And so we called a worldwide call to prayer, and then working with our churches, and we did this all from our office in Loves Park, um, uh, we identified churches in specific locations. We transferred funds. They would go. They would purchase food, put the food packets together, get lists of people from their, from their, you know, from their governments that were struggling, and started knocking on doors, blessing people with food, ministering to people, sharing the gospel with them. And again, these were people that, this is all over the former Soviet Union, these were people that really had a difficult time understanding what was going to happen to them as well. Right around that time, the war broke out between Armenia and Azerbaijan. We had been transferring uh, funds and food to the Baptist churches in both of those countries, and both of those countries were now at war with each other. So basically what we were able to say to them was that, listen, there are a lot of people who are now refugees in the conflict area as a result of that war. So, you know, take the funds, take the resources, purchase blankets and clothes and whatever these people need, and you can minister to them as well. So I really realized the power of this church network that we had, that we had boots on the ground that could respond in in an instant to opportunities that God would put before them to minister to people in very desperate situations. So we had already gone through that. Yep. So when the war took place, you know, our issue is that we serve the church, okay? We serve the church in all those countries. And we have a tremendous burden for Ukraine right now. But I will tell you that, you know, that, that, that there are externally displaced people moving through Russia, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Georgia, Moldova, all these countries, and we're equipping churches in those countries as well to minister to 
people that are moving through their countries that, that just don't know what's going to happen to them as well. So, so for us, I think of it from a, for, so from a ministry standpoint, from a strategic standpoint, our main focus is to serve churches. And when God opens up opportunities for the church to do what God has designed it to do, we want to equip those churches to make it happen. So I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not a political person because I, you know, because I have certain political views. Yeah. Um, but what, my, what I'm telling you is that no matter what happens, our first priority is to serve those churches. Yeah. That's a very well-crafted answer. I'm, I'm looking for how I should think about Russia and Ukraine. And I, I appreciate what you're saying because I would say the same thing. Uh, that our, our priority, even in this, I, I'm not trying to put my foot on the scale this way or that way with related with relation to some geopolitical thing going on. But if there's an opportunity for the gospel to go forth more effectively, that's what we want to be yeah, about. Absolutely, and that's the main that's the main priority for us. Pastor Igor, you heard my question and my kind of. I think a lot of Americans responded the way I did, and I, we got to wrap up here in the next five minutes, but. Do you have any other thoughts for me in response to you what know, I'm saying? As Ukrainians, uh, we do not know everything that is going on politically here in your country. It's not our job to to make comments because we are outsiders. But what we value and what we are grateful for is that uh, people from both political sides yeah. united to support Ukraine. Yeah. And this is what we need. And, uh, you know, to preach the gospel is our main uh, purpose. But uh, when uh, the unprovoked, unjust war came to life of the people and destroy everything, before they start to listen to what the good news is all about, mm -hmm. they have questions why evil is so powerful. Yeah. Why, it happened, uh, why it happened to us, what God has to say uh, about that. And I, by, by the way, I, I can uh, remind uh, you and your listeners that Ukraine was uh, uh, the second largest country in the world with nuclear bombs. That was our Soviet Union heritage. And you know, there were four countries, the United States, the Great Britain, Russia, and China, who made a deal with Ukraine. We gave away all the nuclear bombs. And these four countries promised that we would be secured. And you know what happened? One of these countries started the war against us. And the rest three said, oh, you know, it was just an agreement. It was really, we didn't mean what we meant. So I think that as Ukrainians, with all our gratitude, we also would like to remind the rest of the world that they promised us something. Is that the Budapest? It's Budapest. Uh, what's the name of that? The Budapest something? Yeah. C contract or treaty or yes, something yeah. like that? I, I'm not sure about English word, but yes, yeah. that, that was exactly. So uh, we gave away everything that could, humanly speaking, guarantee our security. Yep. And now we have this problem. So yep. I... We, we expect that people would do what they promised. And your country is great just doing this. So I just, my praying that conservative evangelical believers uh, would be less political and talk less about what this or that 
party is thinking about Ukraine, but just think uh, about values that we as evangelical Christians have. Because if Ukraine would not survive, if uh, we would not have freedom and freedom of religions, it would be the war against all that evangelical Christians value. And so this is why we are praying that our brothers and sisters here, doesn't matter if they're Republicans or Democrats or uh, without political views, they would understand it is, it is not political. It is not just a conflict. It's about something much, much deeper and more important. We are fighting for freedom, but freedom is not the value in itself. We need freedom to worship God, to build our life, our churches, our country, as you did here in the United States. I understand that we, you started to lose many sins and you complain about this and there is a lot of discussions what is going on here and be sure that Ukrainians are praying for, for you. Uh, but uh, we, we just, we just, we are standing for what the Bible teaches us. And this we, doesn't matter if we are Ukrainians or Americans, we should stay united. Amen. This is a great interview. I appreciate your time, Michael and Pastor Igor. Thanks for coming to the U.S. and blessing us with your insights, your presence. I love the gospel-centeredness and the Bible-centeredness of who I can tell you are. And I uh, wish you all the best. God bless you guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank, you. thank you so much for the opportunity. The CC Podcast Conversations is part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry, started in 1936 and is one of America's longest-running radio ministries. We are 100% donor-funded, and donations to our ministry are tax-deductible. So if you are encouraged, challenged, or inspired by today's conversation, please consider making a donation on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or mail a check to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's Word since 1922. Visit cedarfallsbibleconference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number two, and the letter C, digital.com. See our episode notes for details and links, and remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you, and thanks again for listening.